Paul the Book Guy is brought to you by Audible. Go to paulthebookguy.com slash audible and get a free audiobook just for signing up for a free trial. We're back for another week of books, audiobooks, audio dramas, and podcasts. Uh, my name is Paul Alves, and I am joined today by uh, Greg Ott. How you doing, everybody? How you doing? And uh, Jim Phillips joins us once again. And good day to Who's all the Jim? book guy listeners. <laughs> uh, Jim and I, Greg, uh, as you know, we just finished uh, doing a live uh, recording of The Nutcracker. What was the, uh, the entire title there, Jim? The Nutcracker and the Mouse King. Ah, uh, Yes. A nice German story from, uh, was it 1819? Yes. Did you guys, did you guys do it in German? Uh, nine. No. <laughs> nine? <laughs> uh, or, as, or as it will forever be known, the Nutcranker Suite. <laughs> was I was listening live to a little bit of that, and I did catch the, uh, the telephone conversation to somewhere in the background. <laughs> that was fun. You guys, always genuine. Uh, hey, fly by real. the seat it's of the pants. It's real. Yeah. <laughs> For nothing else, you can't this say it's over edited. <laughs> and Jim, will the uh, the recording, I'm sure there will be a, a few changes. I'm sure it won't be the nut cranker. Uh, but uh, will that be on the Nildis Brandom uh, podcast? Uh, well, no, there won't be any changes. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, it is going out as it is. Uh, the recording will be posted in the feed uh, and on the website exactly as it went out live. Excellent. <laughs> Minus a little bit of the chatter ahead of time. Ah, yes. Uh, that's the only thing that I'm going to cut. I'm cutting out that. Yeah, leave uh, it but all. But otherwise, in. it will be live on the feed um, Sunday evening, the 18th of December. So by the time this issue of Paul the Book Guy goes out, that will be the Nutcracker will be there waiting for you at ndstories.com. Excellent. And uh, what have we been reading this week, gentlemen? What's going on? Greg, what well, have you been... Uh... I finished uh, Bill Cosby's I Didn't Ask to Be Born. It's something that I was looking forward to because um, as a kid, I, I grew up reading Bill Cosby. My mother was a big Bill Cosby fan, had all his records. And uh, even in my early adulthood, I read uh, a few of them. And uh, I was looking forward to getting this one. Okay. Uh, bring that to the table a little later on. Stay Excellent. tuned. And you, Jim, anything uh, on your uh, Kindle iPad or in your earbuds this week? I am currently, <clears throat> this isn't the book that I'll be talking about shortly, but I am currently reading through uh, The Lottery and Other Stories uh, by Shirley Jackson. Nice. Uh, who's best known, of course, as the author, authoress, whatever the proper tense there is, of uh, The Haunting of Hill House, which is a wonderful story in and of itself. Yeah, and, I, and I've been uh, listening to uh, Reem D by uh, Neil Stevenson and, and Greg. Once again, yeah. Neil Stevenson just surprising me once again. Uh, the book starts off, the, the, the thing, you know what, what, it is exactly what it says on the tin, exactly what it says on the back. You know, it's a, a virus in a game kind of like World of Warcraft that holds people's um, information hostage until, the, mm -hmm. until they can go into the game and pay a certain amount of gold pieces to, uh, to an ugly troll. And then they get their, their encryption key, <laughs> right? Okay. To get their the, the data thing, back. The, the thing about Neil Stevenson with me is he always goes off on these wild, psychedelic, crazy tangents okay, at the it, end. It starts like this, right? And, uh, and, and uh, I'm just about halfway through the book now. And we're talking about four hours in. You, you've got the guy who, who, um, who wants his data back. He's, uh, you know, surrounded by Russian mobsters. 
And now it's taken another turn. They're in China. You got uh, MI6. Now it's become like a Tom Clancy novel. And Neil Stevenson never fails to surprise me. And it's almost like a a team of writers wrote this book. (laughs) The way he switches it up midway. Uh, Neil Stevenson just surprises me every time he writes a book. He didn't have to create his own universe or language this time, did he? No, it's it's all, uh, he's got uh, both feet in reality this time. A uh, really interesting premise that basically I think they've almost resolved the whole thing and then we're past, we're in the, the middle of the book and it's become a, more of an adventure action spy novel. So I'm really looking forward to the, the, the last half of this book and bringing that to the table next week. Uh, I've also next week I'll be bringing the, uh, the Jill Edmondson book that uh, I'm almost done. Oh, I think my wife's almost done that one too. Brilliant. Yeah. I had to throw a brilliant in there just for Sir Jimmy. Did you just for brilliant? All right. Hey, before we get too far, I was really upset that we didn't uh, record on Friday because just for those listeners out there, uh, Friday was a big day for Paul. It was his birthday. Oh, don't give it away. I, I, I try to slide by usually with the birthdays. Yeah. So, so happy birthday, Paul. Thank you very much. And, oh, if uh, I would have known that, we would... Uh we would have queued up to sing happy birthday to him. <laughs> well, it was it was a lot of fun today uh, just doing that live. I think, uh, Greg, we might plan some live readings for the Paul the Book Guy show as well. Short stories. Ah, we'll start off with Bill Cosby. Bill I, Cosby, I, all right. So what I did was uh, I read I Didn't Ask to Be Born by Bill Cosby. Uh, it's a collection of short stories, very similar for anybody who's ever read Bill Cosby. He... Uh, He's a great storyteller. He's always been a great storyteller. You've got, you know, I mean, as most stand-up comedians are, but Bill Cosby comes from an era where you had to be very literate. You couldn't be dumb. And um, I've always admired him because he he never went blue. He didn't have to swear. Right. He, you could, you could, like, I can pull up any Bill Cosby bit on YouTube and show it to my kids. In fact, I have. I mean, we... We joke around in the bathroom about uh, the dentist and how to how to rinse ribbons. You want me to ribbons? You know, I, I I can feel confident, but that there's not going to be any swearing. This is a witty book, but on occasion he's starting to show his age because it feels like he's really picking at the bottom of the barrel for personal stories from his childhood. Yeah, he's put out a lot of books, so he's, he's put out a lot that, of books. Yeah, you know. he's he's put a lot of books, and it's tough to write comedy. Comedy is a tough thing to convey in words because it's, you can see it coming down the tracks. It's hard to write it so you don't see it coming. You can't anticipate the punchline. And uh, I think this in this particular case, it was it was witty at times, but at, like I said, at times he went on tangents. He, seemed, he seems to be getting a little old. I recommend it to anybody who's uh, read Bill Cosby before. It, it did feel very familiar. It brought me back to some of his older works, yeah, like, like revisiting uh, an old friend. Like visiting, like I remember, I read Fatherhood. Man. I mean, he still had black hair back then, and his and and uh, his son was still alive then too, yes. right? So, I, I found one thing interesting, and in, uh, for the the little time I spent with this book, he puts in little QR codes here and there in the book. He puts the QR codes in, and, but the other thing, the QR codes are cool. So if you zap them, folks, uh, for our non-techie uh, listeners, if you if you zap them with your cell phone with a, a, a barcode reader, it takes you over to his website, and there's a relevant video by uh, Bill Cosby sitting on the couch that pops up. Yeah. I didn't zap any of them. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> 
Who uses a QR code reader anyways? <laughs> who, who keeps red laser on their phone? Look, I'm going to point this out to all of our uh, American listeners. If you live in Canada, red laser makes no sense. There's no, there's no use in having that on your iPhone because it yeah. just, it points to things that says, I'm sorry, I can't look for that in Canada. <laughs> so I don't even have red laser on my phone anymore. And uh, yeah, no, it's a good book. Uh, uh, it's a good book. Uh, did it make me laugh? not all the time not probably not where he intended it to be but it did make me feel warm and comfortable it was like reading an old friend for me yeah so, so there you go that's Bill Cosby's uh, I didn't ask to be born I guess out of a five I'd give it like maybe three and a half just okay. for content alright we might have to start a new rating system here for Paul the Ooh, Book Guy did I just start a rating system oh we might <laughs> it's been started now. It is now. The first one is a three and a half out of five for Bill oh. Cosby. Uh, let me let me ask you, Greg, if I may. Do you think that because um, I, I agree, you know, Cosby has certainly been a awesome comedian and definitely definitely you know a family friendly comedian for a very long time. Now, with what you're saying, is it is it time for him you know to get out of the business and slip quietly into the night or? You know, do you think he could change around his his act, his his books, his you know his his focus, and you know to what's going on today instead of continually trying to relate everything to historically what he's done is stuff out of his past. I hate to see great talent uh, subside. You know, obviously he's been a great comedian for so long. I mean, he was uh, my mother introduced me to Bill Cosby, and she used to listen to him when she was a teenager. You know, and she introduced me to Cosby on uh, LPs, and uh, it's sad. I, look, I'm in no position to tell someone with the credentials of Bill Cosby to put away the pen and stop writing comedy. I, like I, I will defend it. It's it's tough to do. It's a really tough thing to do. Yeah, I, I don't think so. I think sometimes he, I think it's maybe better. I think to... there's enough laughs in here that. It's worth the read, and it's still comfortable. It's still nice to hear and read stories from someone who has uh, a positive family experience. He has good morals. He has uh, he's well grounded. I, I like him still. So no, I'd, I'd like to I'd like to see him stick around a little bit longer. So more of a feel good book, not a like a knee slapper. I can't say that I there was I read it in bed with my wife and uh, I can't say at any point in time did I interrupt her laughing but that doesn't make it a bad book really like there's no least knee slappers but they're still witty enough to to warrant a good read We're going to play right now an interview I did with a gentleman named Chris Malberg uh, who has written a book about uh, economic terrorism or industrial terrorism called Car Wars. And uh, I, I spoke with him about his book and about the ebook industry, and I'll uh, play that now. Chris Malberg is a former investment banker and the author of over 11 popular business books, including How to Fire Your Boss, Surviving the Bond Bear Market, and more. Chris has now made the transition to fiction writing with his new book, Car Wars. Chris joins us now all the way from Los Angeles. Hello, Chris. Hello, Paul. I'm glad to be here. Now, it says right on the front cover of Car Wars that it's a novel of industrial terrorism, uh, which right away I found very intriguing. Can you tell us a little bit about the book? Oh, sure. The, uh, this is the book that I had always wanted to uh, read myself, and when I didn't find it uh, in uh, over so many years in the markets, I decided to, to write one myself. The premise was this. What if those uncontrolled acceleration car crashes weren't accidents? 
What if they were deliberately caused? And I took that premise and kind of ran with it. Now, how did you come up with the premise for Car Wars? Well, first of all, um, most people will tell you that uh, all authors are above all else readers, and I truly am. I read all sorts of stuff, including a lot of fiction, uh, a lot of action-adventure type fiction. And I have a, a, a big interest in um, uh, terrorism, industrial espionage, things like that. And I happen to have a, a number of clients in the automotive industry. Uh, my firm pro provides uh, outsourced literary services to large corporations. I started learning more and more about the industry and more and more about uh, the way these cars, the sophisticated computer systems that manage the performance of these cars. And as my knowledge grew, that premise began to take over. I mean, how, how difficult would it be? And it, as it turns out, uh, in fiction, it's not very difficult. In the real world, it would be very difficult. How difficult would it be to uh, uh, put something in these uh, uh, system management uh, computers in these cars that would uh, cause them to lose control, cause the drivers to lose control of the car and end up crashing. And that's where the premise went. And Chris, you have 11 books in print, and um, looking here, and I believe that Car Wars is an ebook only. I'm just wondering why you made that decision. We chose to uh, go directly to the ebooks um, rather than bypass hard copy for a number of good reasons. Um, I've, I've become really interested in the uh, digital pub book publishing industry. It's the fastest growing distribution segment uh, of literary content there is right now. It really far outpaces the, the hard copy segment. Some say by a margin of 10 to 1. For every uh, one hard copy book sold, there's about 10 uh, digital books sold. Uh, and you know, with the installed base of tens of millions of iPads, iPhones, Kindles, uh, Nooks, the Blackberry Playbooks, and all the other e-reading devices, the demand for content can only grow. Uh, I see as an author the, uh, uh, a tremendous opportunity in the digital markets and I wanted to see uh, what I could do about participating in that. Uh, my first foray into fiction I thought was going to be a great, uh, great uh, entry to that, especially because I, I had complete control over it. Yes, and, and having complete control is something that a lot of uh, publishers who choose to go the ebook only and the self-ebook uh, publish route uh, find uh, appealing about the ebook market. They just uh, they have the freedom to uh, do whatever they'd like with their book, really. Um, yeah, freedom is is a um, one concern, especially for fiction. I wanted a book the way I wanted it, and it's um, uh, it's a lot of fun doing it that way. Now the editors can really help you, but what I found, at least in the uh, the nonfiction books I, I do, um, the editors generally are not experts in the subject matter. And um, you know, having someone who is a lay person attempting to uh, guide you uh, in something that you truly are an expert tends to be problematic. So I feel in the industry that a lot of the editors have taken the place of uh, grammarians and mostly copy editors. So you know, why spend the money, if you're an author, uh, for a hard copy publisher to basically provide a service that uh, you can outsource? Right, you can just hire your own editor. Exactly right. Uh, another point is, is time to market. A book like Car Wars that deals with the subject matter of industrial terrorism, it's literally ripped from today's headlines, and you just don't have the time to wait for the, uh, uh, a hard copy publisher to take it in, copy edit it, um, put it in its uh, uh, 
book cover cue to design the cover, uh, develop a marketing strategy for it, um, and then put it in the, the actual print queue, then put it in the queue to go to the distributors and finally get it on the, the distributor's shelves, the bookstore shelves. That usually takes uh, as much as a year, sometimes even longer. It would have been stale data. Uh, you, know what it, you know how long it took me to uh, get Car Wars out onto the various uh, uh, digital platforms once the book was completed and copy edited? A grand total of two weeks. Wow. And, that, and that's because I had to teach myself how to do it. There's a lot of formatting skills that you need in converting from your, your Word file manuscript to the uh, industry convention uh, uh, format that is required to go through uh, the various um, e-readers. So grand total of two weeks. Now, I, I have a second book out called um, Vision Machine. It's a, a short story of, um, with a bibli- uh, in biblical proportions, I talk about, I call it. Uh, that book took me a grand total of four hours once I learned the mechanism to actually go from the Word document into uh, an actual e-publishable book. Now, Chris, you've got 11 books in print and you have a couple of uh, go-to publishers, but uh, for some people, I mean, uh, you have to tack on an extra five, ten years while their book is still being shopped around to the, to the publishers. Yeah. You know, my, my career as an author, Paul, I've been, I have been blessed. I can't describe it any other way. I had a, an idea for my first book called you know, how to fire your boss. And uh, I had a friend who was a best-selling author in New York. I called her up. I said, you know, I have this idea for this book, how to fire your boss. What do you think? She says, ah, Chris, it's probably nothing, but it's kind of a cute title. Let me send you a a list of the top 25 uh, literary agents in the country, and I'll send you a brochure on how to write a book proposal. And she did, and I uh, wrote up my little book proposal, sent it to the literary agents, and uh, lo and behold, I got five responses back. Three wanted to sign me immediately, one said to call me immediately, and the other didn't even have the courtesy to uh, use his own uh, stationery. He turned over my uh, cover letter, and in number two pencil scrawled all, scrawled all over it. it says this is a real piece of shit see enclosed and he had uh, st- stuffed in a brochure that he had written on how to write a book proposal well I put that aside and uh, I called the lady in New York who said uh, you know call me immediately and I got on the phone with the reception I said this is Chris Malberg I sent in a proposal called how to fire your boss and she wanted to talk to me she put me right into the office and the lady said oh yes Mr. Malberg I just wanted to tell you personally over the phone what a piece of shit I think this is. And she hung up on me. <laughs> I mean, it's a, it is a tough business. Yeah. You know, a lot of really great books end up sitting on publishers' desks for years and years, uh, you know, or, or marked as, uh, as you, you were told a couple of times uh, that this is a shit book for the longest time before uh, somebody picks it up and realizes that, uh, hey, this, this could, uh, there could be something here. Well, I mean, that's, that's absolutely true. Look at Harry Potter and J.K. Rowling's. Her, her story of, uh, of success is uh, almost just by happenstance. Now, f- four hours it took you to get the, your, your last e- ebook from being finished to being published. That, that's got to be a new Paul the Book Guy record. <laughs> well, you know, uh, publishing an ebook, uh, the mechanism, the programming mechanism is it, once you get to know it and once you get to know the rules, it's uh, just like any other computer program. You just run it right through and it, it takes off from there. The one that I used uh, for Car Wars uh, was Smashwords. And I, I researched uh, most of them out there. And I found Smashwords to be not only the most comprehensive, but um, the instruction manuals that they've written, which are downloadable for free, uh, were 
incredibly comprehensive, and they had a really nice customer service uh, desk. Uh, as a matter of fact, I ended up talking not only customer service with some of my questions, but I ended up also talking with the CEO, uh, Mark Coker. He's turned out to be a really nice guy, very knowledgeable, and he most certainly, he got kind of interested in Car Wars and its theme about industrial terrorism, and he, I think he personally wanted to see that up on the shelf. So you know, together he and I worked, and it really worked out well. Yeah, we've recommended Smashwords to authors uh, quite a few times on the show, uh, mostly because of its ease of use and uh, the fact that it streams your book over to Amazon, iTunes, Kobo, a few other different uh, devices. Oh, yeah. They, they go on to uh, iTunes, iBooks, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Sony Reader, Kobo, Stanza, Aldico, uh, uh, Adobe Digital Editions, you name it, they're there. It's like the one-stop shop. It is, and that's really nice for a busy writer. Now... My experience with Amazon was a little bit different. Um, uh, I kept waiting and waiting for the book to appear on Amazon because that is the 800-pound gorilla in the room. You want to be on Amazon. It just wasn't, just wasn't getting there. And my, there was no problem with the manuscript, no problem with the, uh, the book format. It had passed all the tests through e-publishing and, and Smashwords premium catalog. Finally, um, and Amazon certainly won't talk with, uh, with authors about this, I just uploaded it myself using Amazon's um, um, independent author's upload site. And all of a sudden it worked and it was up within 20 minutes once I decided to make, to make that move. Oh, so Amazon has a, a site where you can directly upload. Hmm. You bet. Amazon has a, a number of uh, services that they provide for authors. It, I think they're, what they want to do is, uh, what they're after is exclusive representation of your book. They're kind of blurring the lines between publisher and, and almost agent. They, they uh, provide promote free promotion opportunities for you. It's Amazon, I think, is that's, if you're a digital writer, if you're working in the digital space, that's absolutely where you want to be. Chris, is there any website or a place where people can get a hold of you and connect with you and readers can uh, find a copy of your books? Actually, as it turns out, uh, I do. Um, we have a, a, a website for Car Wars. The website is www.carwarsebook.com com www.carwarsebook.com. It tells you everything you want to know. It's got uh, a link to my blog, a link to uh, all the other social media sites we're on. We're on Smashwords, uh, LinkedIn, Amazon, Facebook, Twitter. And I, I do regularly blog, and I, I'm always tweeting and, and uh, working on Facebook. That's one of the things I love, I must tell you. I, I love about being a digital author. You are so much closer to your audience. I get uh, notes, emails, tweets, and, and Facebook messages from uh, readers all the time. And uh, I always try to answer them. It's, I mean, that's how you get good feedback. They're asking me questions. You know, why did he do, why did Jack Schilling do this? Why did Helen Tiaming do that? It just makes it a lot more fun. And I got to say, above all, this work should be fun. Or you're not going to really make a living at it. Well, this interview has been a lot of fun, Chris, and uh, I really hope you come back again to the show. It would be my pleasure. And uh, thank you for coming along. You bet. Thank you very much. Chris Malberg, the author of Car Wars. And we'll be back right after these messages with Jim the Book Guy Phillips will bring us his book of short stories. This is Gabrielle DeCure, the voice of Valentine in Ender's Game, and you're listening to Paul the Book Guy. Hey, this is Jeff Smith, the guy who does all the jingles from thejeffsmith.com, and you're listening to Paul the Book Guy. And we're back once again. And Jim, you've also uh, read a book of short stories this uh, week. Uh, yes, I have indeed. 
Uh, unfortunately, I have not read uh, Bill Cosby. Uh, I have, however, uh, read Rudyard Kipling. Ah, uh, Cosby versus Kipling fight. Yeah, Cosby <laughs> versus Kipling. I know who wins that one. <laughs> uh, specifically, uh, his um, book of children's stories called Just So Stories for Little Children, uh, which he wrote, or was at least was published, uh, back in 1902. So we are going back a little bit further. Classic. Yes, it You're is. You're probably not going to get on the jacket for this one. No. <laughs> <laughs> I might be a little late. Might be a little late. So, Just So Stories, is, as the uh, title would in- indicate, the full title, of course, is Just So Stories for Little Children. And it is kind of children's stories. Uh, it's 12 uh, or 13 if you have... Uh, uh, Scribner did an edition in 1903 that added a uh, 13th tale. Um, unfortunately, I can't speak to that at all because... Uh, my edition <laughs> predates that, so I don't. Ah, have so that. are you you're reading a paper edition? Yes. yes. Okay. Uh, and a the specifically, I have I happen to have the 1902, uh, the first edition. Oh, very nice. And the stories are all uh, what you know we would call today fairy tales. Um, they're stories to explain how certain things came about, or how certain things happened. Uh, in kind of a lyrical fairy tale, fun for children way. I, re- I read these uh, with my son, who is seven, uh, and he loves them. Um, I've you know enjoyed, I've enjoyed just those stories since I was a kid as well. Uh, it's a great book, you know, to read to your kids because it is a classic. Um, if you don't have kids, it's still wonderful to read, just because Kipling is such a wonderful writer. It is very witty. It is very funny. You know, to modern sensibilities, there are a few spots where you kind of have to, you, you get a little, you get a little hiccup, you know, because there are a couple words, let's say, that were in, uh, you know, common everyday parlance in right. 1902 that uh, are a little bit more taboo these days. I, I hear you, and you're allowed to say them on the show. Uh, it's okay to discuss them here. We, uh, yeah, you know, it's written in the Kipling book. You can say it. Yeah, if it's in the Kipling book, you can say it. And and I don't want to be the one that puts the explicit tag on every week. See, that's not that's that's not what George Carlin said. But I guess we're not on the radio, so it's okay. By the way, another one of my favorite comedians. <laughs> and uh, people you are, avert your, avert your you... ears. George Carlin, of course, the reference is to uh, the Dirty Seven. I, I'm not going to do it. I was, I was going to say them. <laughs> hey, Paul, I told you the, the story when I, I, I brought home my first George Carlin album at the age of 14. And it had every dirty word in it. And I went and I just went and bought it at the record store and I brought it home for my parents. And my parents were like, what? They sold this, they sold this to you? Are you crazy? <laughs> so Greg puts the, the needle on the phonograph and his parents are expecting to hear a nice, wholesome comedian because you know, <laughs> no, Greg's, no, 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 Greg's no, no, been listening to Bill Cosby. You know, he puts it on all of a sudden. Chip his fuck kind cocksucker motherfucker tits fart turd and twat. No, it wasn't quite that bad, but they knew who George Carlin was. And they, so, they literally, my father was sitting there with his partner at the time, and they're like, literally looking at me like, I oh, can't believe that they sold this to you. Jimmy, your copy of the uh, of the Kipling book, does it have a swastika on it? I mean, uh, I'm yes, listening. it does. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he, used I, to I sign it with, he used to sign his name with a swastika, didn't he? Yes, yes. It's actually, a, uh, it's actually not a swastika. If you look at it, uh, if you pay attention... Uh, it's you. Well, I guess you could, since you're referring to it as a swastika, it's actually a swastika backwards. 
Yeah, it's reverse. It's a right. mirror image of one. So right. that, that, it would be Which, a, that would be a, a Buddhist symbol. Exactly. At that point. Right. Yeah. Exactly. It's a Buddhist symbol. It's also a, a Hindu symbol. Yes. Um, yeah. Oh, sorry. Yes. It's Hindu Kipling symbol. Kipling used yes. it because he spent all that time in India. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And now that we've walked all over your your chatting about the the, the book, <laughs> no, but feel free. Uh, I I know what you're saying. There's probably some references to uh, to black people and uh, you know different words that were used uh, back in you know 1900 whatever that that we wouldn't use now. So you know. Yeah, but but not a lot. I think I think it. <clears throat> if I if I recall correctly, you know, there's some references to. Yeah, I think. You know, the word colored comes out once or twice. Uh, the word nigger comes out once. Right. But, you know, it's it's just enough that you're going to stumble over it. And, you know, if you're sensitive to such things, you, you well, might. When you're reading it to your children, you can bit, but, censor it yourself. Yeah, you know? exactly. Exactly. You know, if, if you care to worry about that. It's so. the wording of the time. Back then, it wasn't even as, it wasn't thought of as being as bad a word as it is now anyways. Exactly. It was just. It's, that was just the way you it's the word you use. Yeah. <laughs> End of story. Yeah. Yeah. So historically accurate, especially since you're holding a version of the book actually from 1900s. Yes. But uh, an interesting uh, collection, uh, something you would read to your kid, and you have. Yes, something I something I have. So I would recommend it for that. Excellent. Book news. Book news. Mister Greg, you yeah. must be dying to give us some uh, book news. It's been a while. So, so much book news has come and gone. I hope I scooped become... some of it last week. Yeah. Um, we were speaking about uh, Go the F to Sleep, and now I'm censoring myself. <laughs> Why uh, would you censor that? <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, Matt, Adam Mansbach's uh, Go the Fuck to Sleep, which is, of course was a huge hit, and now uh, they're coming out this year with a kid-friendly virgin, version. And, uh, Kid, kid-friendly we, virgin. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, what about the Nutcranker? <laughs> so there's another children's book now that seems to be uh, the, hitting the big time, and it's uh, sold over 120,000 copies already. Another short read, and it's this one's written by David Milgram, and it's called Good Night, iPad. Uh, and it leads the reader through a, a house, uh, you know, whose uh, inhabitants are, are plugged into every kind of digital uh, device imaginable, laptops, and listening to music on iPods, and watching digital TVs, and the mom in the house orders that everything gets shut down. So uh, there's a line in the book that says, uh, she's, they're wishing good night to nooks and digital books, M&M and Facebook friends, LOLs and MP3s, and LCD, Wi-Fi, HD TVs. So uh, it seems like it could be a kind of a cute story to tell your kid when they're you know, they're holding on to the iPad for dear life and it's, you know, 8.30 and it's time for bed. You could read them. Good night, iPad. <laughs> kind of cute. So we'll see that one. Uh, that one's actually coming to uh, ebook as well soon. And there's Audio a book yet? Uh, not yet. Uh, there is another, um, I don't know, have, have, Greg, have you checked out on your uh, phone or have you seen the, um, the iOS app called, uh, oh, what's it called? Uh, the Elements? No. Okay. The, you, the, I'm I'm trying to keep my iPhone clean. You know, kind of. I gotcha. It gets it gets. Well, I I got the new uh, 4s, and I'm trying to keep it nice and clean. Because <laughs> if I don't, the kids will certainly get to yes. it, and they're going to end up with well elements, oh, which was my problem with with uh, the iCloud and it sync automatically syncing all the crap that they they buy on uh, my wife's iPhone and it automatically gets pushed to mine. Right. Thanks. You can kids. turn that off. Uh, elements for iPad is uh, 
it's kind of like a table of ele- elements. Uh, that one's $14. It's an app in the iOS store, but it truly is. A, it's a living, breathing book, and uh, it's it sold millions of copies. Uh, it really is a great way to look at uh, the table of elements and and learn about stuff. There's 3D drawings and you know sound effects, everything. So there's a new one called Solar System for iPad. And uh, this was published actually a year ago. And uh, one year ago it was published... Uh, also available for thirteen ninety nine. Now the interesting thing about this one is that um, it claims to be the first ebook. So the ebook being, of course, the iPad app uh, that has subsequently become a physical edition book in bookstores. Now that that that's only counting uh, large publishers, of course, because I know that many of our uh, friends are uh, the self published authors have started off with ebooks and you know eventually you know, made a nice hardcover, leather-bound book, whatever. But uh, it has recently suppressed, co- uh, uh, surpassed copies sold of Elements for iPad. And um, it's uh, it's really selling quite well. A solar system for iPad. It's $14, and uh, I've taken a look at it, and it, wow. <laughs> if you want to teach your kids iOS about... devices or just iPad? Uh, I believe that one's iPad only, just because it needs the, the real estate. But uh, it really, if you want to teach your kids about uh, the solar system, wow, I, I can't think of any better way than to do that. Even for a classroom, if you throw that up on the, uh, on the, on the TV, you know, wow. That's all I got for this week, boys. <laughs> so, Greg, do you have any book news to share with us? Books on film and television. I'm really, really looking forward to it. I'm getting totally psyched for The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, which comes out this Tuesday the 20th. I'm... I'm going on the first day with my friend Teresa, the librarian, regardless of the fact that it's my daughter Rebecca's birthday. And uh, yeah, screw the kid's birthday. We're yeah, going to go watch a movie. Birthday. You're being sarcastic <laughs> about this, right? Wait a second. Hold on. She has something to say about that. You're going on my birthday? <laughs> yeah, I haven't told her yet. <laughs> that was Rebecca, the book girl. That was Rebecca, the book girl. She's been listening the whole time. She's been dying to get on the show at some point in time. But anyways, uh, so this is getting huge reviews. Uh, I feel bad now. I actually recited the Dirty Seven. Oh, I'm on headphones. (laughs) Okay, good, good. (laughs) No, we're good with that one. Uh, It comes on Tuesday the 20th. Uh, huge reviews, getting getting great, great reviews. One of the few movies uh, in the last little while, especially to come from a book that's got uh, similar high, well, it's getting low 90s on uh, Rotten Tomatoes, both with the critics and with the uh, and with the reviewers, the, the normal folks. So I'm really looking forward to that one. And the, the trailers are just getting crazy. I, I'm loving it, loving it, loving it. Uh, the other thing that we got coming up is uh, Tintin. The collaboration between Steven Spielberg and Peter Jackson, and uh, again, Rebecca's just reading my notes on the screen here, and she said, "What you read Tintin?" I was like, "Yeah, I read Tintin when I was a kid, but now they're making a movie." That's out of it. another that classic. Was, that when did, Tintin classic, goes back yeah. quite a while. What was that nineteen hundreds? Good question. I'm just judging by the art style. I'd say you, you know, keep going. I'll consult the 30s. book of knowledge as we're going. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I mean, if I was betting, I'd say the thirties. All right. I don't know. I didn't check the copyright when I was reading it. Uh, 1907. I'm wow. Here. Yeah. 1907. So, but the movie looks ridiculous. Uh, it looks really exciting. 
uh, again, really bright colors. Correction, 1929, sorry. <laughs> I'm, a sorry? Bad, I'm a bad Googler. 1929. Uh, the, 1929. The original artist was born in 1907. 1907. So good, good on you. I win. All you right. nailed it. Uh, I nailed that. And the other thing that came out a little while ago is this uh, list. So top 30 most anticipated films of uh, 2012. Ah, yes. Let's, let's, let's finish off with that. That'd be, uh, that sounds like a lot of fun. So we've got uh, the top 30 and in the top 30, there's 13 that are from books or comic books. Uh, some things that I'm pretty excited about. Let's just start from the top. We'll go with Hansel and Gretel, the witch hunters. That's, uh, then we got Skyfall, of course. Hang on. Do we count Skyfall seeing it's not actually? Hang on. Was that Hansel covers? and Gretel? Comma, the witch hunters, or Hansel and colon. Gretel, the witch hunters? Hansel and Gretel, colon, witch hunters. <laughs> okay, cool. Is the continue, let's just, I'll go with, this is the continuation of the Brothers Grimm fairy tale. It takes place 15 years after the traumatic incident at the gingerbread house. They, so they grow up and they go back for vengeance. Is the, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Gotta stop. You go away. <laughs> the child is laughing. <laughs> but dude, it has Jeremy Renner and Famke Jansen in it. Directed by Tommy Wierkola. Coming out March 2nd. Are we counting Skyfall, seeing as not actually coming from a James Bond book? Nope. All right. I wouldn't count it. Scratch that. That would just be film and television. Not books on film and television. Well, it's book characters on Book characters on film. Right. Need a new jingle. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Continuing on the Jenner, Jeremy Renner story here, uh, The Born Legacy coming out August third. Great Gatsby, Leonardo DiCaprio is the Great Gatsby oh, coming out uh, December tw- Christmas Day next year. Hmm. Paul, two of your favorite books right in a row: The Great Gatsby, then Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter. Ah, oh, all coming next year. Yeah, man. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> June 22nd next year, we got, uh, let's see if the da, 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 Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter, nobody you know. Just shows you not my a, uh, my very uh, taste in not books. Not a single person, and if I tried to pronounce most of these people's names, I wouldn't be able to. I'm going to go with the director, Timur Bekmambetov. As Bek- long as it's not Uwe Boll, I'm okay. Oh, no. Uwe Boll is awesome as compared to Tommy Weisau. <laughs> Remember Tommy Weisau from The Room? Yes. <laughs> All right. You some watch that. So. All right. We got uh, num- at number nine, Snow White and the Huntsman. That's uh, Kristen Stewart and Charlize Theron and some other people that I don't even care about. Nothing like an R-rated uh, fairy tale to not make money at the theaters. In my mind, it's R-rated, but anything with Charlize <laughs> Theron is. But that's coming out June 1st. Uh, trailers for that look ridiculous. It looks really, really good. Like, but, it, but it doesn't look, you know, very... Uh, uh, if you're watching the trailers, it doesn't look like it's sticking to the actual story too, no, too it's, closely. No, it's, it, there's no way that can be watchable by children. The, the, the little things I saw looked pretty violent. Well, it looks like Snow White is leading an army, so I don't know how you're. <laughs> I don't know how you work. I think there's like it. people, there's lots of murders in this thing. It's it's pretty. Uh, I don't know. Was yeah. it the same kind of thing as that? That um, wasn't this earlier this year, and I apologize because I didn't actually see it. There, there was a Little Red Riding Hood movie that was yeah, the, Little Red the Red, same that way, was a kinda, horror, wasn't it? 
Yeah. Yeah, that's what yeah, I mean. Yeah. How'd that do in the theaters? <laughs> Not well. But then again, what was the budget for it? So. <laughs> Aren't there actually two Snow White movies coming out next year? There are two, but the other one apparently is not. (laughs) Nobody's (laughs) looking for it. (laughs) Okay, then. (laughs) Uh, I'm just looking forward to 11-22-63, which they're working on. 11-22, yep. Yeah. I have heard no news about them canceling that yet, which, you know, no, you know for, every, for every, t- every time we have Stephen King news, hey, Stephen King got a book yeah. deal, uh, a movie deal, Stephen King lost his movie deal. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that they cancel it more often now than, you know, uh, you know I don't want to end up watching Maximum Overdrive. You know, he's, he's had some lemons in the theater, let's put it that way. We can count, we can probably count just as many lemons as we did, like, Shawshank Redemptions, so. That's true, too. For every Shawshank Redemption, there's a running man. <laughs> The running Man, yeah. Good good story, by the way, folks. I'm not knocking the story. If you read the, the story nope. Running Man, nope. uh, which he wrote as Richard Bachman, uh, great story. Uh, just they completely changed everything for Hollywood's uh, version of it. I'm pretty sure he never wrote Richard Dawson into the book. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> uh. All right, so at number seven on this list. Uh, so the other thing I want to point out for for... The top 30 films most anticipated, That it's very top-heavy with books and uh, comic books. Uh, we're going to start seeing some of the comic books here. Number seven, The Amazing Spider-Man. That's the uh, Emma Stone, Andrew Garfield one. Going to be really cool. Uh, trailers are awesome. Number six, World War Z. Cool. And number five, we discussed this one before, The Dictator. The uh, that was Saddam Hussein's very nice novel. Very nice, done by Sasha Baron Cohen and Larry Charles. So that's a great collaboration. The Hobbit at number four. Um, number three, The Hunger Games. Uh, anybody want to guess? Number two, The Avengers, and number one, The Dark Knight. Yeah, oh, nice. Dark Knight Rises. Yeah, I would. I myself personally, I would have put uh, the Joss Whedon Avengers ahead of the Christopher Nolan Dark Knight Rises. My personal opinion, that would be my number one. But yeah, you know, uh, a lot of people looking forward to the Dark Knight, though, seeing as it's going to be the last, um, last uh, from uh, both the, the actor, main actor, and the director. They've said that they're not making any more, and especially after the success of uh, the Dark Knight. Yeah. Well, uh, that, that seems like the only slim success DCs have lately is with the Dark Knight. Um, yeah, the, the new thirty, new fifty-two, new new fifty-two is not even doing that well. From what I hear, nope. And uh, so. they still don't. They don't have a um, a focused plan like Marvel did for the Avengers, no. where they yep. they no, glued they everything together. Really, no. If they came out and they started leaking something where people were able to look forward to three, four, five years down the road of Justice League America, I think you might be able to get some. You know, you might get some headway there. You might get some some role, but I don't think. There's anybody who's really looking forward to. Hey, when's the next? Did you notice that the next Spider, the next Superman's not on this? Yeah, I noticed that. Did they move it to 2013? Or does just nobody care? I don't know. Or is there, that's what I'm thinking. <laughs> well, no, they, they're they're uh, they're it's in production. Knowledge. They're jumping around things and on, in front of green screens and something's going. Yeah, but on. they got to be able to get that if they're filming that at the same time as they're filming the Batman. They should be able to get them out, uh, edited in the sim- similar. You know, they've been doing a lot of closed shoots for that Superman movie, and uh, 
there's been a lot of sightings of uh, uh, what's his name? You know what's his name? In in full Superman garb with a long hair and a beard. Uh, I don't know what's going on with this movie. I think they're they're trying something new. Let's put it that way. <laughs> well, the book of they must be trying something really true, really new, because the uh, our forthcoming Superman movie doesn't even show up in an IMDb search. So there you <laughs> it's, go. Well, they're, that's because they're calling it Man of Steel. And it does, it's coming out June... Ah, there it is. 2013. Yeah, June 14th, 2013. Yeah. 2013, yeah. So that's why I didn't make this list. Uh, Henry Cavill is his name. There you go. Henry Cavill. My, uh, my friend Teresa calls him her manicorn because he's just too perfect to be real. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know what? I think we're going to leave it at that. <laughs> And the music is playing, like I said, Jim. Remember, we put the music in in post. So, can you hear it? That's Roller Derby, straight out of Garage Band. (laughs) (laughs) That's actually the name of the song. It's Roller Derby. Uh, It's been a lot of fun, guys, and we will be back again. And we are now on the No Agenda stream uh, every Tuesday at noon, uh, from noon till 1 o'clock, approximately. Uh, every week and if you are listening on the stream uh, we'd like you to check out paulthebookguy.com and also go to iTunes and uh, subscribe to our podcast there to search for Paul the Book Guy hello conspiracy theorists (laughs) hi (laughs) we'll see you next week folks I'm Paul the Book Guy I'm Greg the Book Guy and I'm Jim the Book Guy stay tuned book readers and book listeners Paul the Book Guy will be back next week Same book time, same book channel.